me to see the voodoo queen Let her put a spell on me A little bit of change is my pain Gonna set a young man free Cause I've been down to your hometown And all across your distant land One thing's for sure Honey, I've been gone Tell my mother I miss her so friends you are tuned into canadian patriot radio it is july 6 2021 and i am your host critch i have to apologize for the long gap between shows i had uh, some haying that needed to be done and that just uh entails long days <laughs> and it kind of kept me out of the studio so it is what it is life uh, sometimes takes over as you guys are fully aware and every now and then there's going to be gaps in uh, in the cpr broadcasts uh just due to the fact that i've got other things on the go so where are we going to start today my friends we are going to start with an article sent to me by chef now this is great stuff <clears throat> uh this comes to us from uh, uh city news and it was written by Rebecca, or sorry, Becky Robertson, posted seven days ago. And the title reads, Adamson Barbecue Owner Adam Skelly's Court Case Has Been Thrown Out. Oh, yeah. The buzzed about court case through which Adamson Barbecue proprietor Adam Skelly vowed to challenge what he perceives to be tyranny of the provincial government for imposing or for implementing forced business closures and other lockdown restrictions amid the pandemic has been dismissed. Those who have been keeping abreast of Skelly's antics, whether in support of him or simply as onlookers to a circus, will know that the restaurateur appeared in Ontario Superior Court via a packed Zoom call on Monday as part of his recently launched constitutional challenge against the province. With the backing of more than $300,000 crowdfunded by the anti-lockdown sect, who saw Kelly as a hero of sorts for opening his Etobicoke location in contravention of emergency orders in November and getting arrested and charged for it, Skelly was confident and ready to fight. After some technical issues due to the hundreds of people in the virtual room, all of the weeks of anticipation led to a tragic anticlimax anticlimax with the judge having to toss the case because of some apparent problems with the paperwork submitted by Skelly's counsel, <clears throat> who at one point left to call left the call to retrieve some additional documents to no avail. I regret to say I do not think I have the jurisdiction to proceed to deal with these issues on the merits today. I do not think the proceeding has been uh, constituted in such a way to give me that jurisdiction, the Ontario, Ontario Supre Superior Court Justice overseeing the case said just minutes into the proceeding, per vice. The challenge was originally scheduled to last two days, with Skelly touching on not just business closures, but COVID-19 testing, vaccines, the merits of the World Health Organization, masking, and more topics that the Crown wrote in, in a response were superfluous and uh, vexatious. <clears throat> 
Skelly and his camp collected their thoughts afterwards in a diatribe posted to his blog and Instagram account, which he was only permitted to start using again with restrictions earlier this year, in which they ask if a superior court justice doesn't have the jurisdiction to hear a constitutional challenge, who does? Our entire legal challenge was dismissed in superior court. We have 11 expert reports, none of which were challenged by the government. We have nine questions of constitutional law, only two of which were uh, countered by the government. Yet not a single thing was heard today. No jurisdiction, says the judge. Reads the post to 73.6k Adamson barbecue followers on Monday evening. This is the first time a notice of constitutional question served and filed months in advance with a huge evidentiary record was refused to be heard in a superior court in in Canadian history. The rule of law has been cancelled once again. Advisors and coordinate, uh, advisor and coordinator of evidence Chris Weisdorf added that the battle is far from over and that the team will be taking the case through the Court of Appeal and are prepared to take this all the way to the Supreme Court. So we'll be blessed with more Adamson drama in the weeks to still come. So obviously you can see that the writer, let's uh, just work our way back up here. The writer is definitely not sympathetic to Adam uh, Adamson, uh, sorry, Adam Skelly, uh, Becky Robertson. Like you can just hear the cynicism uh, with throughout the entire write-up, um, and just the derogatory like way she wrote it. Um, <clears throat> a superior court judge threw the case out, saying he didn't have jurisdiction, or basically didn't want to hear the case, and then the Crown, which is obviously Chris Weisdorf. Added, added this battle is far from over and the team will be taking this case through the Court of Appeal and we are pre- prepared to take this all the way to the Supreme Court. Why? Why bother? Our, um, you know, from what I'm understanding, all these cases are getting thrown out. What, what do you got to prove other than you are a globalist fucking Muppet by pushing the envelope with this? Like, listen to the case he had. That... that we had 11 expert reports, none of which were challenged by the government. We had nine questions of constitutional law, only two of which were countered by the government. <clears throat> That's crazy. So he was like fully prepared. He had a, a great team. He had it all together. He was ready to go. Uh, I guess for any, any of us that are facing any of these charges, uh, look at, look at, look at Adam Skelly as an example. Like if you have the ability to be prepared and, uh, and go to court fully armed with constitutional quotes and, um, you know, everything, uh, you can challenge absolutely everything and bring it to your case. Um, I think that you stand a very good chance in having a judge just do the same thing here and just wipe his hands of it or her hands of it and say, whoa, 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 I'm not getting involved in this. And I think the big reason that the uh, Superior Court judge walked away from this is he was fully aware that this would set precedent one way or another. So as a single judge, um, they weren't wanting any part of this because whether you set precedent for the uh, defendant, which was Skelly, that means you're going to be granting basically rights to Canadians. Or if you side with the government, you're going to be stripping rights from Canadians. This judge, I guess in a way, was probably smart, but still, uh, this is, uh, in my opinion, this is kind of uh, defaulting on your duty. Like, 
the case was in front of you. Um, you should have to have heard it. So I don't know, 50-50 on that decision by the judge. But in the end, <clears throat> it played out well for Skelly, which is something we've been following all along. So thanks, Chef, for uh, sending that my way because I was very curious at how this was going to go. <clears throat> Obviously, it's setting. It's going to make everybody that's got charges even bolder, which is great, which is absolutely great because uh, all of these all of these charges are unconstitutional. They're charging you on acts. They are not laws. Uh, they're fully aware of it. They're trying to push it through to please um, <clears throat> the bulk majority of people that have gone ahead and listened to them and and signed up for their shots and and have been good little sheep, I guess. And um, it's just all around terrible to see where we're at so polarized uh you know and i <laughs> i definitely contribute it i contribute to it in the sense that i want to keep canadians free choice like your body is your temple and no institution government health canada has the right to dictate what you are putting in your body my body my choice really comes into play here but they really hate when we say things like that because we are taking it to the next level. We have the right to choose what goes into our body. Nobody or no entity has the right to strip that away from you or the orders or the acts or the laws, none of it. Just like you have the right to defend yourselves by any means necessary. That's where the gray area comes into Canada because they manipulated the wording, but you do have that right. Anyway, my, my friends, let's get this show started. We'll be right back. Conspiracy is not theory, and political corruption finds the spotlight. given rights to life, liberty, and freedom with all thy sons command. 
Okay, welcome back, my friends. What I want to do now is, um, we, you guys are probably fully aware that Bill C-10 um, is now basically kind of sitting in limbo. A lot of people are claiming it's dead. Um, <clears throat> I'm not 100% sure about that yet. Um, and they also tabled Bill uh, C-36, which is even scarier. Uh, that's the one that's basically going to allow the Canadian government to come after you. Uh, if anybody deems your um, your speech online or anywhere for that matter to be uh, extremist, I guess would be is the term that we're starting to see from Facebook um, in nature uh, that they can pretty much put you on house arrest. Uh, they could take all your guns. They could uh, severely limit your freedoms. Uh, so extremely scary, uh, Bill C thirty six. Now, what I want to focus on is that this is not just Canada. This this is happening basically around the free world in lockstep and i want to focus on um <clears throat> this fox president that we've got south of the line and what's being said about him that you're going to find some crazy similarities uh between the uh the fake biden administration and what trudeau is trying to do um right now in canada now in canada i you know everybody's talking about a looming election um I kind of think it's probably going to happen if uh, Justin Idiot has any chance of getting his majority. Now would be the time because the opposition is so scattered. Uh, we There is no opposition, right? The NDPs and the Conservatives and the Bloc <clears throat> are all just playing along. There, there absolutely is no opposition to the radical uh, Marxist, socialist, fascists that are masquerading as liberals in this country. They are not liberals. If, if it was ever, ever more evident than right now tell me when because it's just crazy to see what's going on but anyway back to the original point um this article comes to us from americanmind.org and the title is who's next um and it just tells you it was written by the editors so it doesn't give you much more than that and the title reads biden administration's domestic terrorism strategy is an announcement that they are coming for you the Biden administration's national strategy for countering domestic terrorism is, by its own admission, the first of its kind. The author calls it American first government-wide national strategy, America's first government-wide national strategy to eradicate internal opponents of the regime that is not only to deter violent extremism, but even in the words of Biden's opening memo to root out the hatred that can too often drive violence. This unprecedented, unprecedented state intervention into every level of American life is justified, the administration claims, by the unrest that occurred at the Capitol on January 6th. Oh, please. This is... This is the new Russia, Russia, Russia. Like, and, and who are they? who are they pandering to? Every one of us watched the footage of the police opening barricades opening doors letting people in actually telling them to come in like we i don't even know who they think they are pandering this crap to and in canada what's the excuse here what's the excuse in canada the fact that people don't want to get vaccinated is that what they're going to go with in canada for the the exact same stuff that you're going to hear going on in the u.s under the fake biden administration uh you know that's happening in canada let's carry on here that event, while regrettable, regret, uh, excuse me, regrettable and ill-judged, 
has also been thoroughly myth, uh, mythologized into veritable Reichstag fire by Democrat politicians, Republican enablers, and a chorus of willing journalists. A few buffoonish and overzealous protesters have been uh, narrativized into a, into a cabal of organized insurrectionists who brought us in the words of the Democrat representative Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez to the brink of a uh, martial state. One must admire the sinister rhetoric economy of a party that can invent a threat of martial law while working steadily and quite in the open to impose it themselves. At the heart of this assault on Americans by their government is a lie. The lie that Trump supporters killed Capitol Police Officer Brian Sicknick on January 6th. As Northeastern political science professor Mark Abrams noted in this feature, even after the official medical examiner concluded in April that Sicknick died from natural causes, fake President Biden, MSNBC, and CNN have continued to promote the politically self-serving fiction that he was killed in a terrorist attack. Now in the administration's new document, this invented murder is presented as the disastrous climax of an equally dishonest story about a supposed plague of right-wing terrorism in America. Domestic terrorism is not a new threat in the United States, the strategy explains. It has, over the centuries, taken many American lives and spilled much American blood, especially in the committees deliberately and viciously targeted uh, on the basis of hatred and bigotry. What this means in practice is spelled out by a list of gunmen and bombers, all of them inheritors of a line tracing back to the Ku Klux Klan. There was Santino Williams Legan, who killed three shoppers in North Northern California, and Patrick Crucis, the suspect in a deadly El Paso shooting. There is Timothy McVeigh, an ex-army man who bombed a federal building in Oklahoma City, and there is a general reference to violence and xenophobia directed against Asian Americans, the surge in anti-Semitism, and more. Nowhere in this sordid tale do we find mention of the scores of young men, almost all of them Muslim, who were arrested throughout the 2010 2010s under suspicion of collaborating with ISIS. There is not a word about the BLM, Antifa-led guerrilla campaigns that campaign that claim the lives of police officers like David Dorn and ravage the property of American workers to the tune, as Pedro Gonzalez notes, of $1 billion to $2 billion in paid insurance claims. Naturally, it is not, it is not noted that these homegrown terrorists are being not only ab- absolved of criminal charges, but egged on by fina- uh, fantastically powerful oligarchs. Among them now Vice President Kamala Harris, fake Vice President Kamala Harris. None of this germane none, none of this is germane as far as the strategy is concerned. The one great story, the only permissible story, is about white Americans ruthlessly executing minorities. <clears throat> Many of the cited cases fit uncomfortably within the narrative of this narrative narrative mold. As Kyle Schedeler observes, the fake Biden administration feels obliged to pad its account of domestic threats with Dallas Black Lives Matter supporter or Bernie Sanders campaign volunteer and SPLC enthusiast. But mere facts do not deter the report's authors. They insist 
racially or ethnically motivated violent extremists, principally those who promote the superiority of the white race, and militia violent extremists are assessed as presenting the most persistent and lethal threats, or to use the words of the chairman and joint chiefs of staff, mouthing words prepared for him by countless radical theorists. The problem is white rage. Buried deeper in the strategy are few dismissive gestures towards the possibility that other motives besides conservatism or Trumpism might inspire radicals to take lives. We read, for example, that other domestic terrorists may be motivated to violence by single-issue ideologies related to abortion, animal rights, environmental, or involuntary celibate violent extremism as well as other grievances or a combination of ideological influences. And of course, as Air Force veteran and author John Robb notes, the strategy can potentially weaponize American government... um, The strategy can potentially weaponize the American government against all Americans, which is one reason why all Americans should be concerned. As a tool of tribal uh, political warfare, we can see a very different set of targets and speech limitations. If political power changes hands, like a Patriot Act on steroids, this strategy is a blank check for anyone in power to hound, indoctrinate, and arrest American citizens purely on the basis of immediate political interests. But in this administration, and in the strategy itself, we know where the focus is and will remain. Squarely on those 80-some million Americans who will not stand to see their country overrun by uh, sadistic monoparty by a sadistic monoparty if you do not want to see the american way of life twisted in into an enforced radical hierarchy and the apparatus of the state aimed squarely against the natural family the fake biden administration has now announced that it has its eyes on you (laughs) well we're looking right back fake joe biden fake president joe biden (laughs) we're all watching the audits anyway They do not really mind in the end if you realize this. In its most frank passages, the strategy practically dares readers to notice its naked assertion of power. Today's domestic terrorists espouse a range of violent ideological motivations, including racial or ethnic bigotry and hatred, as well as anti-government or anti-authority sentiment. Dissent is terrorism and will be prosecuted as such. They know what they sound like. They know you can hear them. They just don't think you you can do anything about it. Holy good God. Listen to this trash. It is thus not paranoia to suggest, as many are reading, as many are already doing in private, that this strategy carries with it not merely the threat, but the expressed intention of delegitimizing all kinds of speech and political action on the part of of the half of on part of half of the country empowered by rapidly improvising uh, improving ai and digital technology this kind of thinking stands to form the basis of a nightmarish and ruthlessly powerful social credit system when those in power sit when those in power says they want to root out those sentiments they characterize as hatred they have they have every intention of following through Pillar two of the strategy is to prevent domestic terrorism, recruitment, and mobilization to violence. 
This means developing a mechanism by which veterans can report recruitment attempts by violent extremist actors. It means pre-employment background checks and re, uh, reinvestigations for government employees, i.e. purging the government apparatus of dissenters. It means tackling racism in America, ensuring that Americans receive the type of civics, e civics education that promotes tolerance and respect for all. Oh boy, it'll be just, just our way or the highway. Acknowledging when racism and big bigotry have meant that the country fell short of living up to its founding principles. Oh yes, they know that parents and school boards across the country are standing up to drive their nasty racialist creed out of local schools. They know, and they intend to put a stop to it. It is a hallmark of authoritarian regimes to define political action by the opposition as inherently violent or morally un unconscionable. When one side can riot, loot, and murder with official sanction, while the other cannot so much as organize without risking a summary imprisonment of indefinite duration. There are not really two sides anymore at all. These are de developments which need attention and vigorous opposition now. Tomorrow is too late. Today is already getting there. That is why we are focusing attention on this strategy and why we have in invited a number of contributors to describe the threat and what can be done about it. There is running, <clears throat> there is running somewhat unwitting, unwittingly through the strategy itself, a thread of reasoning which may provide a major key to countering it. Again and again, the authors stress that the administration will do its best to force cooperation with its plan at every level of government. We will build a community to address domestic terrorism that extends not only across the federal government, but also to critical partners. This is repeat, repeated. This is a repeated refrain. The federal government will recruit state, local, tribal, and territorial governments, as well as foreign allies and partners, civil uh, society, and, and the technology sector, academia, and more. This is because the U.S. government often is not best placed to identify or address issues that will first emerge at the local level. They need individuals, families, and local communities to enlist in the war against Americans. How does this sound familiar, my friends? Snitching. Snitching. This started with COVID snitches. And now you've got Facebook basically uh, trying to get people to root out extremist thought patterns. Like they're all in lockstep. The US, Canada, Facebook, big tech, all of them. It's crazy. Okay, very well then. Wherever and who, ho however we hold any sort of political power, we must not comply. State governors and legislatures with red majorities must refuse to um, acquire federally imposed indoctrination or un unconstitutional imprisonment of citizens. Constituents must demand this posture of any politician who claims to be a Republican. No one should be allowed to bear that designation who is not expressly committed to fighting against the fake Biden administration's fraudulent and Orwellian scheme, Orwellian scheme at every available opportunity. And those individuals, families, and local communities upon whom this administration enforcers claim to rely, but whom in fact they are, deter they are determined to break must be given the tools to recognize what is being done and the language to denounce it for the abomination it is. We hope this feature will help with that endeavor. So you can see the importance as to why I wanted to take you to the American side and focus on 
exactly what the fake administration is doing, which it is exactly, you know, I hate to say it, but the fake uh, Trudeau government is doing up here. Those of you that listen to the show regularly regularly know exactly why I call it a fake uh, Trudeau administration, because we haven't had a government since December 4th, 2017. But it's lockstep. They're doing the exact same stuff. Borders don't even seem to matter anymore. Um, it's it's the same rhetoric anymore. You know, you used to be able to tell a difference between American and Canadian news. The only thing you're seeing different between American and Canadian news now is you still have holdouts on the American side that are, are reporting, mainly one, which would be Fox, and then, of course, all the alternative media uh, bringing you the actual truth of what's going on in the U.S. Whereas in Canada, you don't have any opposition whatsoever. So it's getting scary to say the very, very least. But it doesn't just stop at extremism. Basically, the <clears throat> the Biden fake Biden administration has now announced that they are going to go door-to-door in low vaccination rate places in the U.S. In more healthcare settings and respond to hotspots. The president will outline five areas his team is focused on to get more Americans vaccinated. One, uh, targeted community-by-community door-to-door outreach to get remaining Americans vaccinated by ensuring they have the information they need on how both safe and accessible the vaccine is. Two, a renewed emphasis on getting the vaccines to more primary care doctors and physicians, something that we've seen in... So, do you think that they're going door-to-door to to actually give people information about vaccines? They're going door-to-door so they can start flagging the holdouts of this this vaccine. Let's hear from fake President Biden himself on this matter. A special focus on five ways to make gains in getting those of you who are unvaccinated, vaccinated. Because here's the deal. We are continuing to wind down the mass vaccination sites that did so much in the spring to rapidly vaccinate those eager to get their first shot and their second shot, for that matter, if they needed a second. Now we need to go to community by community, neighborhood by neighborhood, and oftentimes door to door, literally knocking on doors to get help to the remaining people protected from the virus. Door to door, knocking on doors. That, this has nothing to do with vaccination. <clears throat> I, I don't think that'll go over well uh, <laughs> stateside or Canada side if they try this. You know, a lot of us are rural, so you're really, really going to risk it showing up on in rural places to pass out information about vaccination and how they're safe. Sorry, bud. But we are paying attention to VAERS. We're paying attention to the uh, European... Uh, adverse event, uh, events reporting system. We, we are fully aware that there's over 6,000 deaths in the U.S. And I believe it's, what, 12, 13,000 in, in, uh, in Europe? And not to, not to uh, strip Canada out of there, the only information we've got in Canada right now was the Facebook page that they pulled down that I believe had 68,000 members uh, that was the Canadian adverse events, uh, vaccine events, basically page on Facebook. So 68,000 members, maybe they, maybe some of them had adverse effects, maybe some didn't, but realistically that, that number goes to show how many people were concerned about it and they stopped it dead in its tracks before it even started. You got to give it to whoever is in charge of the censorship in Canada because they, they can nip it in the butt faster than it seems like our American cousins can. 
Uh, they are all over us. Um, but we still keep pushing forward and telling the truth, <laughs> which they hate. All right, what I want to do next, my friends, is I want to shift your focus over to the narrative change, um, one that a lot of us have called since the beginning of this pandemic. And uh, <clears throat> you're going to never believe this, but this next article comes to us from CNN. Now, you usually see it uh, within CNN first, and then you're already starting to see it spread uh, everywhere else. But the, uh, the title of this interesting article is unvaccinated people are variant factories infectious disease experts say says this is by maggie fox and it was written on july 3rd 2021 unvaccinated people do more than merely risk their own health they are a risk to everyone if they become infected with coronavirus infectious disease specialists say that is because the only source of new coronavirus variants is the body of an infected person oh Boy, this article is just chocked full of garbage, lies, manipulation. I can just tell already that this one's going to be wild. If you have any kids listening to the show right now, you might want to get them out of the room. <laughs> oh, a year ago, everybody was unvaccinated. Not everybody was a factory for, for um, diseases. And oh my, here we go. Unvaccinated people are potential variant factories. Dr. William Schaffner, a professor in the Division of Infectious Diseases at Vanderbilt University Medical Center, told CNN Friday. The more unvaccinated people there are, the more opportunities for the virus to multiply, Schaffner said. When it does, it mutates and could throw off a variant mutation that is even more serious down the road. All viruses mutate, and while the coronavirus is not particularly uh, mutation-prone, it does change and evolve, because it was created in a lab <laughs> by people. And some of us don't want to get the vaccine that was also created by people against a virus that was created by people. <laughs> Sorry. A vaccine that changes your cells and your DNA, your molecular makeup and your DNA. Now proven. Most of the changes means nothing to the virus, and some, some can weaken it, but sometimes a virus develops a random mutation that gives it an advantage, better transmissibility, for instance, or more efficient replication, or an ability to infect a great diversity of hosts. What, like the variant is already doing? Or the, the Delta variant? Excuse me. <clears throat> you guys know my thoughts on that one. Viruses with an advantage will outcompete other viruses, and will eventually make up the majority of virus par par particles infecting someone. If that infected person passes the virus to someone else, they'll be passing along a mutated version. A mutant version is successful if, if successful enough, it becomes a variant. But when it has to replicate to do that, an unvaccinated person provides that opportunity. As mutations come up in viruses, the ones that persist are the ones that make it easier for the virus to spread in the population. Andrew Pecos, a microbiologist and immunologist at John Hopkins Bloomberg School of Public Health, told CNN. All of these schools funded by basically the same people pushing the vaccine, by the way. And <clears throat> let's, let's also take into account that these vaccines that they are all referring to do nothing to stop the spread or the or do nothing to stop people from getting infected from COVID-19 or stop the spread. All they do 
is lessen the symptoms for 48 hours. So where is the variant actually more at risk for, or where is the virus actually more at risk for mutating? In unvaccinated people that have, haven't pumped themselves full of DNA altering BS, or the vaccinated people that now have spike original or whatever type of spike protein that the pharmaceuticals pumped into them once, once they get exposed to the actual or uh, native or uh, <clears throat> the original forms of COVID-19. This, I think this is a 180 projection. This is complete crap, as you guys can tell. But let's, let's listen to what these, these paid Muppets have to say. Because there's always this truth sprinkled in all of this BS that they're putting out. Every time the virus changes, that gives the virus a different platform to add more mutations. Now we have viruses that spread more efficiently. Viruses that don't spread cannot mutate. <clears throat> Viruses have arisen, arisen all around the world. The B.1.1.7 or Alpha variant was first seen in England. The B.1.351 or Beta variant was first spotted in South Africa. The Delta variant, also called B.1.617.2, was f seen first in India. <clears throat> And the U.S. has thrown up several of its own variants, including the B. Oh, so these would be the other brain waves. Notice that they, uh, you, you know, in previous shows, we talked about how all the variants have brain, uh, brain wave titles. Uh, <clears throat> excuse me. The B.1.427 or Epsilon lineage first seen in California. And the B.1.526 or ETA variant was first seen in New York. Mm hmm. Already, one new variant has swept much of the world. Last summer, a version of the virus carrying a mutation called D614G went from Europe to the US and then the rest of the world. The change made the virus more successful. It replicates better. So that version took over from the original strain that emerged from China. It appeared before people started naming the variants, but it became the default version of the virus. Oh, yeah, okay, so we haven't even actually singled out, we haven't got a purified sample of the original COVID-19, but we're, we're just going to claim that all these other variants exist based on what? Based on what? There's still a $1.2 million reward for a purified sample of the original COVID-19 that has not been fucking claimed, but you guys can, out, can diagnose all these variants right now? Like fuck you can. Like fuck you can. It's all bullshit. Like I don't... I don't doubt that there is a, 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 some sort of sickness. We can call it COVID just for simplicity. But it's probably just a hyped up flu. Realistically. You know that they, they hyped up a flu, gave it gain of function and released it in the world. And called it COVID. Or they hyped up the common cold. Most of the new variants added changes to D614G, the alpha variant, or B.1.1.7 became the dominant variant in the U.S. by late spring thanks to its ex uh, extra transmissibility. Now the Delta variant is even more trans transmissible, and it is set to become the dominant variant in many countries, including the U.S. The current vaccines protect well against all variants so far, but that could change at any moment. That is why doctors and public health officials want more people to get vaccinated. The more we allow the virus to spread, the more opportunity the virus has to change, the World Health Organization advised last month. Vaccines are not widely available in many countries, but in the U.S. there is plenty of supply with slowing demand. 
Just 18 states have fully vaccinated more than half their residents, according to data in the, from the U.S. Center for Disease Control and Prevention. Currently, approximately 1,000 co- uh, counties in the U.S. and the United States have vaccinated coverage of less than 30%. These communities, primarily in the southeast and midwest, are the most vulnerable in some of these areas. We are already seeing increasing rates of disease, CDC Director Rochelle Walensky told a, told a White House briefing Thursday. Every time we see the virus circulating in the population, particularly a population that has pockets of immune people, the vaccinated people and pockets of unvaccinated people, you have a situation where the virus can probe, Paisgo said. If a virus tries to infect someone with immunity, it may fail, or it may succeed and cause mild or asymptomatic infection. In that case, it will replicate in response to the pressure from a uh, primed immune system. <clears throat> so there's a there's a little bit of truth right there, because she's full she she's fully aware that vaccinated people are getting infected. You guys are, I am, we all know they are. But she's see how they sprinkle the truth in there. So right there is the most important sentence in this whole bullshit arg- article. If a virus tries to infect someone with immunity, it may fail or it may succeed and cause a mild or asymptomatic infection. In that case, it will replicate in response to the pressure from a primed immune system. Hmm. Didn't we have predictions about this? From, I don't know, Dr. Sherry Tenpenny and everybody speaking out about that. Let's just carry on here. Like a, like a bank robber whose picture is on the wanted posters everywhere, the virus that succeeds will be the virus that makes a random change that makes it look less visible to the immune system. Or, or these people train their bodies to fight the original form of COVID and now cannot fight off fucking anything but that form. So it doesn't even matter if it's if it's a variant. It's probably just the damn flu or a cold or a new flu. Like, cause you remember how they're priming you for uh, uh, the super flu that's going to happen this fall. This is just a fancy way of saying, hey, we uh, we kicked out a vaccine that trained everybody's bodies to fight one specific virus, and now you're fucked when it comes to anything else. If you really want my interpretation of this, but let's blame the unvaccinated. It's it's the unvaccinated causing the problems. Holy, we were born at night, but it wasn't last night, my friends. Those populations of unvaccinated people give the virus the change not only to spread, but uh, the, but to change. Oh, please. All it takes is one mutation in one person, said Dr. Philip Landrigan, a pediatrician and immunologist at Boston College. Yes, I am fully aware that these people are way more qualified than I am in their specific fields, but common sense cannot be just uh, completely thrown out here. And we have plenty of that. And plus, we're also listening to people just as qualified, if not more qualified than any of the puppet stooges in this article. So let's just go on to another article that basically disproves all the bullshit in the last article we just read. This comes to us from The Insider, and the title reads, Israel says the Delta variant is infecting vaccinated people, representing as many as 50% of new cases, but they're less severe. Well, I thought they were immune. The last article told us that these people were were immune, were they not? This is by Marianne Gwinnett, and this was written on June 28th. As many as half of the new COVID-19 cases in Israel are vaccinated people, a health official suggested. The Delta variant is not as easily beaten by vaccines as other variants, is driving Israel's surge. 
<coughs> excuse me. As Israel faces a surge in cases driven by the Delta variant, its health officials suggested that as many as half of the new cases were among people who had been vaccinated. Fully vaccinated people who've come into contact with the Delta variant will have to, will have to quarantine, Chez Levy, the Director General of Israel's Health Ministry, said on Wednesday, Hazrat reported. Even though the numbers are low, the fact that this is reaching vaccinated people means we are still checking how many vaccinated people have also been infected, Levy said, according to Haretz. So, of course, they can turn this around on me and just blame the unvaccinated people uh, immediately, right? We're fully aware of that, but it's just... You know, they're blaming the variants on unvaccinated people, but the whole fact of the matter is, is the variants are infecting vaccinated people just as fast as unvaccinated people so it's all crap in my mind levy told the state broadcaster ken bet about 40 to 50 percent of new cases appeared to be uh, people who had been vaccinated heretz reported he did not appear to specify a time frame for the new cases the figure is likely an estimate as the ministry is still analyzing the cases on monday levy said that a third of the new cases were people who had been vaccinated It wasn't clear whether those people had been fully or partially vaccinated. Although the infections among among vaccinated people have been alarmed, have alarmed Israelis, the infections do not appear to be as severe as they are in unvaccinated people. Though they are uh, preliminary, the figures underline the worry that the Delta variant could mean the virus continues to spread even in places like Israel, where large portions of the population have been vaccinated. New daily cases reported in Israel have jumped from over 100, uh, the highest level there since May. About 70% of the cases have been caused by the Delta variant. Israel has been ending its virus restrictions. It's, it ended indoor masking last week as daily cases hovered in the single digits. As of Thursday, about 57% of, Israeli, of Israelis' population had been fully vaccinated 57% according to John Hopkins University data as of Monday no severe cases of COVID-19 had been reported from the latest surge Ran Balliser an executive at the Israeli healthcare organization Klalit Klalit (laughs) that's an unfortunate name (laughs) sounds like yeah said in a tweet All of the uh, coronavirus variants, the Delta variant, could pose the greatest risk to vaccinated people. Research suggests it's better able to break through the people who've had only one dose of two-dose vaccines, such as those from Pfizer and AstraZeneca. On Monday, Mike Ryan, the executive director of World Health Organization's Health Emergencies Program, said said the Delta variant could be more lethal because it's more efficient in the way it transmits between humans. Two doses of the vaccines appear to uh, be protective against Delta. An analysis by UK health officials found that two doses of Pfizer vaccines were 88% effective against Delta, while a single shot was 33% effective. That's compared with 95% efficacy against the original strain, or 52% after one shot. But no vaccine is 100% effective and so-called breakthrough cases are still possible. With other variants, breakthrough infections will mostly be mild. In the UK, where the Delta variant makes up more than 90% of cases, 
26 of the 73 total deaths associated with the Delta variant were among people who had been fully vaccinated, the Telegraph reported this week. So there you go. You can, you can just use the media against itself because you're getting, you're getting told two different stories. You know, and, you know, I kind of want to go into uh, a little bit of the history of uh, particularly Anthony, Anthony Fauci next because um, some of you are probably fully aware that his background with HIV and AIDS is extremely shady. And this is the guy that basically brought all this out in in the in the U.S. Uh, the COVID nineteen stuff, or told us how to react to it. So let's dig into a little bit of history of uh, Anthony Fauci and and uh, pandemics. And and the uh, title of this article is "Warning: Pandemics Are Never What They Seem." Uh, this was posted June 29th, ninth, twenty twenty one, by Martin Armstrong. <clears throat> Fauci, I believe has been a callous murderer. Perhaps like Albert Einstein, we should dissect his brain when he is dead to understand how someone can be so evil. There has long been a long-standing view that Fauci did the same thing with AIDS and the, and the drugs he rushed through killed people and cured nobody. He did the same with swine flu, but at least that vaccine did not kill everyone that took it. There has, been, there has long been a concern that the AIDS virus did not simply mutate, but was transferred by a gain of function, by gain of function naturally from monkeys to humans. William Hamilton, the British biologist, became concerned that AIDS emerged from the trials of a, a polio vaccine in Africa. Hamilton, the evolutionary biologist, was one of the most distinguished scientists in the world during the 1990s. Hamilton began to investigate the uh, controversial argument that the origin of HIV was in the oral polio vaccine trial conducted by Hilary Koprowski in Africa. The idea that Hamilton was correct, well, nobody wanted to admit that they had used Africans as experimental guinea pigs. Hamilton had even submitted a letter on the topic for peer review, but they refused to allow the subject to be discussed in 1996. Besides, the Africans that died, the CDC was being funded with vast amounts of money for the first time because of AIDS. Dr. Anthony Fauci had written, had written on AIDS back in 1983. Fauci wrote in 1983, the disease was first believed to be confirmed to a particular epidemiolo- epidemiological defined segment of the population i.e. male homosexuals. Earlier hypotheses suggest that there was something within the lifestyle of male homosexuals that predisposed them to this syndrome. The idea that somehow this monkey virus reached a gain of function miraculously in a natural setting even created images of Africans having sex with monkeys. There was too much at stake to allow an investigation that this had perhaps this was perhaps created by mistake in a lab. Hamilton's ideas were rejected, and some tried to portray him as a nut or conspiracy theorist. Hamilton even gave supportive declarations on this argument, which was published in the BBC. Hamilton later wrote in the foreword of a 1999 book, The River, by journalist Edward Hopper, who investigated this theory. The River 
examine the possible source of HIV, analyzing a number of theories concerning its origins and investigating the current scientific inquiries into HIV AIDS and the search for a cure. It was Ronald Reagan who appointed Fauci as the AIDS czar who seemed to intentionally use homosexual males as personal guinea pigs. Stanford University published this long, long article entitled Did Modern Medicine Spread an Epidemic? in which the Royal Society of London held its first major conference on the origin of AIDS, assembling medical experts, including Hooper. Hooper's theory came under intense scrutiny. Preston Marks of the AIDS Research Center in Manhattan and Ernest Drucker, professor at New York's Albert Einstein College of Medicine, announced that they now believe the ruse of contaminating needles not only spread the AIDS virus, but triggered the mutations of SIV to HIV in humans. Most people have no idea that, monkey, that a monkey virus, SV40, was found in the polio vaccine. The discovery of SV40 revealed that between 1955 and 1963, around 90% of children and 60% of adults in the United States had been inoculated with SV40 contaminated polio vaccines. For, uh, for four decades, the government, uh, government officials have insisted that there is no evidence of the simian virus called SV40 was harmful to humans, which of course was a lie. Governmental mistakes of this magnitude are always covered up. But in recent years, dozens of scientific studies have found the virus is a steadily increasing number of rare brain, bone, and lung-related tumors. Hmm. The same malignant cancer, SV40, causes in-lab animals. Well, there you go. Some have even wanted to investigate if this has been the origin of major rare cancer epi epi excuse me, epidemics in the population. Naturally, nobody would ever allow such an investigation in government we trust. All others are rejected. <clears throat> in April 1955, more than 200,000 American children in, in five Western and Midwestern states received a polio vaccine in which the process of inactivating the live virus proved to be defective. Within days, there were reports of paralysis, and within a month, the first mass vaccination program against polio was abandoned. The children were, of course, collateral damage. They whitewashed this and simply called it the Cutter Incident. Thereafter, further investigations revealed that the vaccine manufacturers by the California-based family firm Cutter Laboratories had caused 40,000 cases of polio, leaving 200 children with varying degrees of paralysis and killing 10. This does not even this does not give a lot of confidence in mass vaccinations for uh, for it to be human. It also has to make errors. Then there was two scientific experts, Dr. Hilary Kaprowski, nineteen sixteen to two thousand thirteen, who was the director of the Y Star Institute in Philadelphia, and Dr. Albert Sabin, nineteen oh six to nineteen uh, nineteen ninety three, who was a physician at the Cincinnati Children's Hospital. The two began a race to replace the Salk vaccine. Dr. Cecil Fox, a pathologist at the National Institute of Infectious Diseases, remembers that it was an intense competition. Interesting, interestingly, both Sabin and Kaprowski's vaccines were derived from monkey organs. They needed to test them in large, non-immunized population groups, no, larger, no longer available in North America. 
Consequently, Sabin traveled to the USSR and vaccinated more than 6 million people in Latvia, Estonia, and Kazakhstan between 1958 and 1959. There were no AIDS cases that emerged in the USSR, where Sabin did his testing. However, Kaprowski went to the Belgian Congo to conduct his study. This is where one of Africa's more modern healthcare infrastructures existed at the time. Between 1956 and 1960, Kaprowski injected more than 1 million Africans with his version of a vaccine called uh, CHAT. AIDS emerged in Africa most likely from this test group. Sabin analyzed Kaprowski's vaccine in 1958 and found it to be unstable and contaminated by an unknown virus. He warned Kaprowski about his discovery and went and went and then went public with his findings. The YouTube video on that has been removed because, oh my God, it shows that AIDS may have been a lab mistake. Nevertheless, it was Sabin's vaccine that saved the world, not Kaprowski's. During the Spanish flu pandemic of 1918, bacteriologic and histiopathologic results from published autopsy series clearly and consistently implicated secondary bacterial uh, pneumonia caused by common upper respiratory tract bacteria in most influenza fatalities. Strep infections and not the flu virus itself may have killed most people during the 1918 influenza pandemic. High aspirin dosing levels used to treat patients during the 1918-1919 pandemic are now known to cause, in some cases, toxicity and dangerous buildup build up of fluid in the lungs, which may have contributed to the incident and severity of symptoms, bacterial infection, and mortality. In other words, the medicine and treatment killed most of the patients. It was the misuse of aspirin that made the flu worse. Uh, note, Reuters has pulled this story as well to hide the truth, possibly. In 1918, face masks proved as useless as they are today. Just as Fauci was telling people to wear two masks, the Red Cross did the same in 1918 with no success. There is simply raised, this has simply raised more questions. When Fauci is attacked, he claims you are attacking science when he offers nothing but an opinion with no scientific backing. He always just says whatever he wants and is never, and that is never consistent. Hamilton returned to London and he mysteriously died. They even held an inquest to determine his death because, because it was too convenient for those pushing AIDS. It seemed any who question the narrative mysteriously dies. Is it, is it always convenient? So there's a long history of vaccinations causing problems and, and a long history of, I would say pseudoscience experts pushing cover-ups for these vaccinations. But this article, um, is extremely shocking to say the very least. And I suggest that you guys all, uh, all read it because I'm going to have to read it even a couple more times because there's just, it's chocked full, uh, and there's links to everything that they're, they're talking about in this article. So I'll post it in the Telegram page as long as well as the Facebook uh, page so that everybody can see this because you got to follow up on all these links. Um, it's got original articles of everything, uh, it, you know, that that's related to um, everything we talked about, the book, the river, uh, everything. Uh, I suggest that you guys read this. Uh, you can go into the Cutter incident, rare cancer, all of the links probably. Uh, let's just click, click on one before I tell you they all work. 
yes the links work so there you go okay my friends uh that is the hour mark so we better shut this one down so if you want to hit me up uh you can find me on lifelog i.e facebook at canadian patriot radio uh, use the message message button for anything you want uh, to talk to me or if you've got uh, links to anything interesting that you want me to see or possibly use on the show, feel free to use that method. Uh, you can reach me by email. It's CanadianPatriotRadio at gmail.com. Um, or you can join the ongoing conversation that is on Telegram. Now, Chef was telling me he was having trouble uh, the other day getting on there, so I'm, I haven't had a chance, Chef. I've been pretty busy to see what's going on there, but uh, I will look into that. Uh, so if you if you are trying to get on the Telegram page, reach out to me on Facebook. If you're having trouble getting onto it, reach out to me so I can maybe try and uh, rectify what's going on there. <clears throat> um, anyway, if you want to join the Telegram page, it is t.me backslash Canadian Patriot Radio. And if you prefer websites, it's CanadianPatriotRadio.ca. Uh, thank you so much for joining me for another episode, my friends. Sorry for the gap. Uh, like I explained right at the beginning of the show, sometimes life takes over and, uh, you know, I just got to deal with it. Uh, just like the rest of you, sometimes you, you plan stuff and it just doesn't quite work out. <laughs> but it is what it is and uh, we should be on a fairly steady track here now. So thanks for your patience and thanks for your continued um, uh, listening of the show and sharing it with everybody that you know. That is really helping our numbers. Um so, my friends, until next time, with all thy sons, command. joining us for another episode of Canadian Patriot Radio. CPR is not filmed before a live studio audience. If you like the show, friends, make sure you give us a thumbs up and share us on all your social media platforms. Until next time, take care.